Hello and welcome to the SEO podcast with me, Andy Kinsey. We're kicking off season two, pretty much where we left off season one. And we'll be talking about the SEO ranking factors for 2023. We'll be doing this by looking at some of the themes that have come out from a number of surveys that have specifically asked experts what they think that these ranking factors will be this year. Now, they've asked industry experts such as myself or such as Neelai Patel or anyone that works in the industry or is known in the industry what they think will be happening this year and not just as I did in the last episode what they think the trends will be but specifically what these ranking factors will be. Now, I've taken a look at three or four specific surveys that have come out and I've taken the themes that have come out of this and I want to share them with you. And you'll want to stick around till the end because there's a few real golden nuggets of information here that you will really want to take away and implement across your site. So let's get started. So there are five or six really important things here. Number one, quality, high relevant and trustworthy content is what Google wants you to produce. That's number one. Number two, keyword best practices remain important. So keywords are still about and they're a focus. User experience is number three. Mobile is number four. Number five, backlinks remain important. And number six is security. And you probably can't take number six for granted, even though most people have for many years. So let's kick off with number one. And that is high value relevant content. So not long ago, was it a year, two years ago, Google rolled out what it called RankBrain. It's an AI, natural language processing. And it basically was all about removing the keyword stuffing element of search, ensuring that content was truly natural content. It was good quality content. It was all about EAT. Um about ensuring that you were the actual authority, it was trustworthy, and Google is going to go to town on this. Late 2022 saw the helpful content update, and it again, it was about thought leadership, and it was about education and longer-form content. Now, and we've also seen in 2022 not just this for longer form content, these updates, but also around product content. So product reviews got updates to say, you can't get away with spammy content. You've got to move away from manufacturer descriptions. You've got to have your own images. And Google is going to town on this. You have to be the authority 
and you have to be trustworthy yourself, even to the extent of having your own images. Now, this is a long way from where we were just three or four years ago, where Google accepted to an extent that lots of websites would have the same kind of description and maybe a spin on it. And we've now moved to a place where Google wants every site to be helpful in its own right. And I think this is a perfect world where actually Google wants you, the website owner, to take ownership. And it wants you to deliver a user journey for the person coming to your website with the intent to do something, not just to be there for information unless you are a specific information website because the majority of websites are for leads and for sales. Unless you are something like the NHS or a medical website where actually you are an information website, you're not a transaction website. But you may be a transaction website in that you want them to go to the next page on your website or to a specific other website. So high value content, relevant content and showing that is people sticking around on your website, reading the content on your website. And so keywords again to point number two become important. And this is, how to explain this? Um, Google has basically eliminated keyword stuffing over the past few years. Again, we it's AI and natural language processing, but it's about how you optimize content. It's about how you use heading tags. It's about how you use your meta titles about how you use your alt tags and it's about across other websites such as YouTube, Amazon, Etsy and how you use your whole brand to say actually we're not a spammy brand because if you are using structured data you say you own this brand and you are the same as this website, this website, this website. And then when you own an Etsy and you claim it, you link across to your website. And so Google knows it is you. It is your official page. And so if you're suddenly spammy on those product descriptions, Google knows it is you and it's unlikely to rank those. But also... Etsy's algorithm itself is unlikely to rank them because you are spamming the hell out of it. And it's the same on Amazon and it's the same elsewhere. So you have to not just play the game, but you have to do things in the right way. Each of these algorithms is getting smarter and smarter using AI and natural language processing. And you have to do what's right by your user intent and you have to be specific for your audience. You have to be authentic and you have to deliver high value content. That's the only way that search engines, both generic search engines such as Google and Bing, but search engines on websites such as Amazon will deliver users and will deliver high quality users that are going to convert. 
so our next point, number three, because we've just considered keywords, was user experience. Now, we've spoken about this before in the podcast, where we've spoken about, um, it was a couple of podcasts ago, about page speed experience. But actually, there are a few things to anticipate here. Um, so, there, yeah, there's page speed, which really you need to load faster than three seconds, both mobile and desktop, whether they are loading on Wi-Fi or mobile data. And it doesn't matter if it's 3G, 4G or 5G, it needs to be really, really fast. And it doesn't matter if you're a blog and they're loading using AMP, which is dying a death, or if they're loading on a responsive website. Your site structure needs to be clean, clear and crisp, and your UX needs to be specifically designed both desktop and mobile so that everything is where you would expect it to be. The menu should be at the top and accessible. Buttons should be the right size on mobile and desktop so they're not overfacing. And things such as if you have in the EU the cookie button and you've also got a bar at the bottom for say your add to basket or your baskets at the bottom if you've got that cookie bar it shouldn't pop up on every page if someone's accepted it in the first place but if they've not accepted it yet it should shouldn't get in the way of that add to basket if they don't accept it or it should be overlaid on top of it until they've dismissed it or accepted it I've come across several times where they can't add to basket, but they also can't get rid of the cookie because they interfere with each other. And on mobile, even on the biggest mobile there is, because I can test on, because I have an iPhone Pro and my other half has a large Samsung and we just couldn't dismiss or add to cart. Now, it's little things like this that mean that your conversion rate will drastically drop on mobile. And when the number of mobile users is hugely increasing and is generally at about 50 to 54% for most websites, it becomes a case of actually you're not just going to infuriate users, you're going to lose conversions down the line. And if people are clicking back off your website because they can't use it, then it's a loss of sales. But also, the faster someone clicks back and bounces off your website and doesn't engage, the less likely Google is to rank you in the long run because Google will think, actually, this website isn't worth it. So it's little things like that and keeping the basics solid and best practices solid that make things worth it. And again, it's keeping headings solid, it's keeping descriptions solid and images solid and making sure, as I said earlier, that you are putting things where people expect them. So headings at the top of the page, prices where people expect them, making sure people aren't having to scroll past 100 images before you are loading something. It's just really simple things. Our next 
point is mobile optimization. Now, as I said a second ago, the general, since 2017, the average, um, according to broadband search, the average mobile take up for websites is between 50 and 54 percent it's a little bit higher now um i think in 2022 it was a little bit higher than that but in up to 2021 it was 54 percent um and this means that the majority of users online are mobile and it has been for a number of years so if you're not taking these users into consideration for people landing on your website for search you are doing something wrong and i can tell you that enough so you have to ensure your website will convert from search you have to website ensure your website is fast you have to ensure that as part of your process of optimization that you are doing things with things like structured data and schema and the reason for that is you might not think that's mobile optimization if you get rich snippets on Google for things like frequently asked questions, then you will pop up in voice search. And the same for things like people also ask and things like uh, Google Maps. Because things like Google Maps that you've got from structured data or from Google My Business means that people can find you really easily using voice search. And it's just simple things like that and having FAQs on your website that are marked up correctly or product data that's marked up correctly, that means actually you significantly increase your chance of being found on mobile versus your competition because they are unlikely to put in that tiny bit of extra effort and time. So what you'll find is that the more effort you put into mobile the more you get from it and as i said earlier fast load times reflect on both mobile and desktop it's not hard to get fast load times if you put in a tiny bit of effort go back a few episodes into series one and listen to um, the podcast that's called page speed optimization high quality backlinks now there's contention over whether page rank actually still exists um personally i think it's been subsumed into other ranking factors however google a few years ago said it was still updating it in some way or other the ranking factor in the toolbar never gets updated and the toolbar disappeared long ago. Um, however, for the sake of argument, page rank basically was a factor of how much your links were worth. You can see similar ranking factors in um, MOZ, in SAMrush, in Ahrefs. And basically, Google uses links as a voting mechanism for your website and the higher quality of link so if the link comes from a trustworthy website in your niche 
and in your industry, then it's a really good vote for your website and it's likely to help you rank better. However, the converse can also be true. So if you get spammy links from toxic websites, it can potentially damage your website. And the word there is potentially, because it doesn't always. So just as an example, some toxic websites full of spam and malicious crap could harm your website. They don't always. And buying links, in theory, damages your website. In practice, it's the getting caught that does you damage. And getting caught by a human at Google or getting caught by an algorithm is what does you damage. Now, many people out there are still buying links and they buy them in a multitude of ways, whether that's farms, whether that's individual links, whether that's paying for specific service. They buy links and... Google knows this. It is getting clever about how it tracks them down and what it says about them. And in its content guidelines and in its terms, it's very clear you should never buy links. You should earn links. So, you need to have a well-thought-out link strategy in place of how you are going to earn quality links from high quality industry experts in your niche. So for example, if you have a podcast, whether that's video or audio, you could interview other people in your niche and in return for interviewing them and as part of the promotion, you could ask for them to put up a blog and a number of links across their website to promote it. That is perfectly legitimate, just as you might do on your website for their website. Perfectly legitimate way of both gaining links and giving links to another person. And if someone came along and asked... Could they write for your website? You could legitimately accept that. And in return for that free content, you could give them a link. There's nothing wrong with doing that either. As long as it's legitimately in your niche. And also, you would want to ensure potentially that you're getting something back for it. Such as a link from their website if they are legitimately in your niche. Reciprocal links are often worth more than otherwise, um, in my view anyway. And the other thing you could do is ask for a link directly. That's always worked well for me, especially if you are doing something specifically for a person um, as a way of saying, hey, can I have this and I will do it. So if someone's coming to you and wants a promotion, you could say, actually, 
as payment, I'd like a link instead. So it's not really a paid promotion, it's a link promotion. Um, now, Google would say that's kind of a sponsorship and it should be marked as one. Whether they would ever be able to show that is a different question because, as I said earlier, you could write a piece of content and would they know? Who knows? Now, moving on, the final piece um, is around security. Now, this is an interesting theme that I came across over two out of the three surveys I looked at. And I've thought about this for a number of years, actually, because it's something I take quite seriously for anyone's websites I host. And I always ensure, for example, that there is SSL on the website. I always make sure that where possible, that it's not a free SSL, it's a fully fledged ssl so it's not let's let's encrypt it's a paid for ssl if and that's if they're not going through a cdn such as cloudflare which is my favorite uh, my favorite cdn and the reason for that is that um just to explain cloudflare is that your dns goes through it and it acts as a firewall and my hosting partner, Cloud Above, also has a firewall on it. So it's double firewalled in effect. Um, and Cloudflare have full SSL. And you can also have an edge SSL with them if you wanted to. But also you can turn on further security with Cloudflare. And really is probably the best security you will get with Cloudflare. Um, if you've got WordPress, it's amazing. There are alternatives out there such as Scurry. Um, and the other alternative um, is, of course, you can, if you are using a service such as um, WP Engine or Azure, they have SSLs built into them and security abilities built into them. Now, you pay a little bit more for those services, uh, but the likes of Cloudflare has a free package. You can pay for an upper tier. You don't have to. It's Cloudflare is completely free. Um, and most hosting packages... Um, so for example, Cloudflare, Cloudflare, Cloud Above, sorry, um, even its minimum package has a wireless, wireless, I, even Cloud Above has a firewall, um, that is active and stops intruders such as DDoS attacks. Uh, now just adding to that with Cloudflare is what I would advise you do. Now, what is quite important is that 
actually having that layer of um, trustworthiness and that SSL says to Google, actually, I'm taking this seriously. Not just my website, that's an information website, or that is a business website, but my e-commerce website and all my forms are really secure. And to show that, you probably also need to go a step further than the basic SSL setup and have your SPF marked up for your emails and anyway, you send emails from, so um, MailChimp, etc. you mark them up so your emails all come from your domain and they have the relevant SPF markups and um, whatnot. So to mark, yeah, it's coming from your domain and all the spam um, markers say this is a trusted domain from MailChimp. So that actually your domain never gets marked as being spam. And it's these little meta tags and, sorry, metadata tags that say to Google and to other security providers, actually the domain is clean and I'm taking my security really seriously. And the other thing you want to do, apart from that, is on your server and whoever your hosting provider is, ensure that the Cypher suite they use for their SSL is A, up to date, but B, is really, really secure. Now, you can do this by going to ssllabs.com and testing your website when it's got SSL installed. Now, if it's got Cloudflare, you'll just pass with flying colors. If you're just using your hosting company's SSL, even if it's let's encrypt or anything else, it'll give you the Cypher Suite breakdown. And if it's anything lower than a B, you really need to go to your hosting company and say, I need something stronger. Because anything lower than a B, there is something wrong. And it just needs updating. And it needs to be stronger than that. And it could just be something that you need to tick on the server. It could be something they need to do. So just take that extra step. It'll be free usually to do that little upgrade because it'll be something on the server. And that little step could save your website from being DDoSed. It could save all your customer information being stolen. And it just shows that you care to your customers and it shows that you care to Google. So, those are our six takeaways. High quality, high relevance content. Keywords that really matter in your content, but also using them in the correct way. Providing a good user experience, including page speed and design and site structure. Having a great mobile experience that increases user conversion and reduces bounce rate. Having good high quality backlinks that you know where they've come from and having great security. Those are likely to be the ranking factors in 2023 according to the surveys and experts and I agree. So what do you think that the 
ranking factors in 2023 are likely to be. Do you agree with the experts? If you don't, let us know. And in the meantime, hit the like button. And more importantly, hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening to the SEO podcast with me, Andy Kinsey. You will find all the show notes over at seoandy.com forward slash podcast. If you'd like to help keep the SEO podcast running, you can head over to seoandy.com forward slash pod dash thanks, where you can donate from £3.50 to help keep this podcast running. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. I'll see you again next week.